Well, growing up as a Christian, I always find evangelism being the most difficult part of my Christian life. I feel guilty when a preacher in the pulpit talks about evangelism, and I haven't done any recently, and, and, and it makes me feel really bad. I feel proud when, when I manage to invite a friend to church. Well, not the right kind of, of proud, like I'm proud of God working through me and uses my work and, and gives me fruit, but some kind of look at me, I succeed kind of self-boasting pride. And when I do evangelism, often it's motivated by my guilt. It's like I'm saying to God, well, God, I have done it. Please don't trouble me anymore. Well, I know my understanding and my motivation on evangelism is, is all messed up, but I just don't know what to do. It's just a very difficult area in my Christian life. Well, why am I telling you all this? Um, we're currently in a sermon series which is all about evangelism, so this is hard for me as well. Um, we are at the series of Acts, at the spreading flame. Uh, in Acts, uh, looking at how the gospel has been spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And last week, we saw Philip uh, bring the gospel to Samaria, preaching the word, proclaiming Christ there. And the sorcerer Simon responded with a counterfeit faith, asking to buy the gift of God. Well, today we meet Philip again bring the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. A very successful uh, story of evangelism. So let's have a look at the two characters in, in our narrative today. Uh, to consider the examples and how it can shed light for us in our own evangelism. The first example is from Philip. Uh, in our passage today, twice he was given a command and twice he responded with obedience to the Lord. Uh, let's have a look at his example. So verse 26. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go. Go from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the first command Philip received. And our narrator, Luke, he makes sure we understand this is not an easy instruction to follow. For the road from Jerusalem to Gaza was a desert road. Uh, not only difficult to travel, but most likely not that many travelers use this route. From, from a human's perspective, it doesn't sound like a very promising kind of journey. Uh, whether strategically or, or in terms of cost and benefit analysis. Philip might do so much better um, to go somewhere else where, where there's more people and, and less deserted. Well, but in verse 27, uh, we are told Philip obediently follows the command and started out on his journey. And surprisingly, along his way, he met this Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, notice from, from a human perspective, how unlikely this man is to receive Jesus, is to respond to the gospel. 
he's a foreigner, so biologically, he's not a Jew. And back in those days, it usually means someone who worship another god. And also, he is an eunuch. And someone who, who under the law of God, uh, in, in Deuteronomy, uh, has been banned from entering the assembly of the Lord. And it is to this man, to this, to this eunuch, that the Spirit gave Philip his second instruction. Uh, in verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Again, Philip obediently follows the instruction, and as he ran up to the chariot, he heard the eunuch reading the prophet Isaiah. I think what's interesting is the choice of this passage Luke quoted here in our passage. Surely, the, the eunuch has the whole chapter before him, if not the whole book of Isaiah before him. But Luke decided to quote these two verses, particularly uh, talking about Jesus' kind of silence, um, not making a sound before um, the slaughterer. Well, not exactly a verse that we would think about when we talk, want to talk about the gospel. Why not the verse previously uh, Isaiah mentioned, 53.6, which seems to explain the gospel so much better. Um, all, we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's talk about how Jesus is bare our, our, our iniquity. Isn't it much more clearer to quote 53.6 than, than the two verses in our passage today? Why did Luke quote these two verses? I think the answer lies in verse 35, uh, which unfortunately uh, the, NIV, the NIV didn't keep for us, but it is kept in ESV. Uh, the opening of Philip's mouth. It is a contrast to, to Jesus uh, staying quiet when he goes to the cross. Jesus went to the cross silently in obedience to the Father without protest so that when a time comes, Philip can open his mouth. Also in obedience to God to proclaim the good news of what Christ has done on the cross. This is the obedience of Philip, opening his mouth, obediently went down the desert road, obediently runs up to, to the chariot and, and, and talks about and proclaims the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, oftentimes when I approach a passage like this, I would think to myself, if only the Spirit does the same for me, if only I also receive a message from an angel of the Lord. If only the Spirit also speaks to me directly, just like he spoke to Philip, then it would make evangelism so much easier. But we might be tempted to think that uh, Philip has the easy way. Uh, he has the special gift. He has a special experience. Uh, it must be so easy for these evangelists uh, to do evangelism, to talk about the gospel with others. Church, actually, I don't think gifts and miraculous experiences is what we are lacking in our evangelism. 
Philip was being put in, in a rather difficult situation as well, full of uncertainty. Uh, the desert road, a foreigner before him, a eunuch. It was not easy for Philip as well, but he opened his mouth anyway uh, because of his obedience to God. Church, what was lacking in our evangelism is probably not God's miracle and his involvement, but our obedience. Uh, at the start of COVID, uh, there were so many existential questions that our world raised. Uh, realization of how fragile and, and mortal human beings are. Uh, questions on whether we are fully in control of our lives. Uh, questions concerning the unpredictable nature of, of human lives. Uh, questions on, on the meaning of life. It was a time full of opportunities to, 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 to share the gospel. Unfortunately, as a, as a church leader has observed and put it, uh, it, feels like, it feels a bit like the world is saying, hey church, this is you now. Everything is ready. Uh, catch the ball, catch this uh, opportunity to, to evangelism. And we were like, okay, we are ready. Uh, let me catch the ball. And then we missed it. Uh, we dropped the ball. We just somehow missed the opportunities around us. And the reason why we missed these opportunities, I wonder, might be because we are waiting a bit too much. Uh, waiting for the right moment. Waiting for the right words to, to come to our mouth. Uh, waiting for the 100% certainty so that the situation won't turn into, uh, into awkwardness, into embarrassment for us. But that's not how God works. Now, that's not the example of Philip. Philip didn't know who he was approaching when he stepped on the desert road. He didn't know the eunuch was, uh, went to Jerusalem to worship and was reading Isaiah the prophet as he approached the chariot. Philip just did what he was told without knowing the result. And this probably is what we are lacking in our evangelism, to be obedient and open our mouths, even if there's a bit of risk and uncertainties. Well, Philip's obedience to God in proclaiming the gospel, uh, this is the first example that we see in our passage today. And the second example of our narrative uh, is from the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, verse 27. Verse 27. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Well, what can we know about this, uh, this eunuch? First, he is a man of power and wealth. Luke told us this eunuch is in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians, an important official, uh, probably similar to, to a governor of the central bank these days. Uh, but his power and his wealth didn't lead him away from God. We are told he has recently been to Jerusalem to worship, 
which means he probably uh, is someone what we call a proselyte, a person who is not a Jew by blood, by blood, but someone who has converted to Judaism. And to confirm his fear of the Lord, we are told on his way back home, he's reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. A man of power and wealth, and at the same time a God-fearer. How would he respond to the word of God? When Philip asks him whether he understands what he's reading, he answers with modesty. Uh, he quickly admits his lack of understanding and seeks help, inviting Philip to come up and explain to him the gospel. The eunuch, uh, this person is a person whose heart God has prepared uh, to respond to the gospel. Someone who doesn't rely on himself, uh, on his own abilities, his status, his wealth, but in obedience submits himself under God's word, willingly admitting his need for help. And church, this is what we need to do when we come before the gospel. Uh, Piper once described the gospel like this. He said, the difference between Uncle Sam and Jesus Christ is that Uncle Sam won't enlist you unless you are healthy, and Jesus won't enlist you unless you are sick. What is God looking for in the world? Assistance? No. The gospel is not a help wanted ad. It is a help available ad. This is our gospel. To admit before God, we need Jesus' help. Sadly, for us as humans, admitting our own lacking is difficult to do. Uh, talking with Christians, I constantly come across these kind of conversations about how difficult it is to share the gospel with our parents. Unfortunately, particularly with fathers. Our, our world is so used to relying on our own work, our own diligence, our abilities. The, the, the idea of relying on someone else is so foreign a concept for us. It just doesn't make sense. It just sounds stupid. Well, this is the second example we see of the Ethiopian eunuch. His humility, his modesty, he admits his lack of understanding and in his obedience receives the gospel with submission. Well, church, these are the two examples that are of obedience we see in our narrative today. Uh, Philip's obedience in evangelism and the Ethiopian eunuch's obedience before God's word. And these two obedience lead to the happy ending uh, in our story today. In verse 36. Verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Nothing can stand in the way. This is the outcome of the whole incident. Philip surrendering his own life to God by doing everything God said. 
led to the Ethiopian eunuch's willingness to, to surrender his life to the Lord Jesus. All the barriers are down. Uh, the eunuch got baptized and rejoiced on his way back home. And church, this is one of the most beautiful moments we can witness as men and women of God. Our own surrendering and doing kingdom's work, proclaiming the good news, leading to someone else's decision to, to surrender wholeheartedly under the Lordship of Christ. Well, obviously, surrendering is not easy. Whether it is obediently proclaiming our Savior or to surrender our lives and accept Jesus as Lord, it is very difficult to do. It is not a struggle only in the early stage of our Christian life, but a constant struggle throughout our whole Christian journey. And I think this struggle is a bit like trapeze. Uh, Winnie and I once tried out this trapeze lesson. Uh, we were still young back then and enjoyed this adrenaline rush. And so when we saw our deal online, we, we brought it without any hesitation. And do you know what's the most uh, crucial thing for trapeze? It is to be willing to surrender control. Uh, in order to be caught safely, I need to place my total trust in the catcher's ability. And it's a scary thing to do. When I'm 10 meters from the ground, swinging in midair, and in my head, I know the whole point of it is to let go and swing to the other side. I know the coach uh, opposite me is very experienced and, and will be able to catch me. I know that there's a safety net under me. Uh, even if I failed, I'll be able to land on the safety net. It all makes sense in my head, but still, it is very difficult to, to, to let go of the bar. Uh, it's hard to, to surrender control while I'm just hanging in midair. Church, our, our Christian walk is a bit like trapeze. Uh, evangelism is a bit like trapeze. It's difficult to do. In, in our head, we know it's the right thing to do. It's the best thing we can do to love others. But at the same time, it is scary. We don't like the feeling of it. And how do we overcome this feeling? I wonder if it's a bit like trapeze as well. At times, we need to surrender our control. Knowing when I manage to swing to the other side, it would be the best feeling. And so just give it a try. Push myself a little bit. How? For those whom evangelism is not on the radar at all, maybe start with praying, continually praying for five of our friends, asking God to, to work in them, for those of us who, who are surrounded by, by, by Christians, uh, kind of in a Christian bubble, maybe the way forward is to intentionally create opportunities to, to meet with someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. Make, make time for these relationships. Uh, invest in these relationships. For those who find it really hard to, to open our mouths or, or don't know how to start a, a Christian conversation, Maybe the way forward is to do some prep work before we meet with our friends. 
think about what's the usual topic that we might talk about in, in, in our meeting up and how we can turn these topics uh, to be related to Christ, to be related to our Christian worldview. Well, I don't know if one day I'll be able to find evangelism easier. I will be able to enter into a conversation with, with a friend and, and introduce the gospel uh, into our conversation naturally and, and organically. And I don't know if there will be one, t- one time, when, one day when I uh, can, in our conversation, arouse my friend's interest to find out more about Lord Jesus. What I do know is this. Just like in trapeze, it feels great when I manage to surrender control and, and swing myself to the other side and my coach caught, me, uh, caught my hands uh, mid-air and, and I finished the move. Uh, in evangelism, it will feel so much better, so much more fulfilling if I can surrender control and somehow be used by God and, and witness God changing someone's heart through me. That would be an amazing experience. And this gives me the motivation to, to every now and then push myself a little bit, uh, to, to get slightly out of my comfort zone, uh, just small steps each time to, to surrender control to God. And hopefully, God will allow me to, to see great things that He can do through me, through my obedience, and, and experience the joy when God works in us. Well, let's pray and ask God to change us. Our God, we thank you for the gospel of our Lord Jesus and thank you for his obedience on the cross that he re- remained silent. Uh, he obediently went on the cross to save us. And Father, we know this is the best news in this world that uh, we can tell others, that anyone can, can know. And so Father, please help us to see the, the good news that we have and, and, and respond with obedience, uh, to be willing to push ourselves a little bit as well, to be willing to surrender our, our control and to be sensitive to the opportunities you have placed around us, um, to persevere and pray for our friends and intentionally talk to our friends about who our Lord Jesus is and what he has done and how he can change us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.